this month, you know, we've been doing our celebration for 100 years. Obviously, that's happening. And it's been so fun and exciting. And I don't know about for you, but my experience has been a little bit of afterwards, the emotional, like, letdown, like, oh, that's over. And wanting more of that. And so, this year, we're celebrating Advent. <laughs> and Jesus' birthday. But if you think about this, just, and maybe if you can experience that in yourself of the emotional sadness of just doing something and then it's done, the system that God has set up, and it's now many thousands of years old, of God saying, celebrate this festival and come to Jerusalem for the Israelites. Come and do this thing and worship me. Or later when the temple was destroyed, the synagogue system of come and gather together Read the scriptures, pray, sing, do these activities, do it weekly, and, and do it together. And in those systems, God has kind of put a way in that we continually connect with God. So, think about that as we are talking this morning. Well, to celebrate 100 years, um, we've done this series, Ecclesia, which is the Greek word for the gathering. And it's the early church name of the church that was attached to them. And as you know, or maybe you've heard, that there's this Barna study that has happened and happens every year. But this year it's very particular, and I, am, I refuse to stop talking about it. <laughs> so if you haven't heard, Barna did this study, and I think we might even have a graphic from it, to prove that it's true that they emo every year they measure emotional health in people. And this year, every category is down. You know, the pandemic, everything's down. So, you know, men are down. Women are down. Um, Republicans are down. Democrats are down. Um, e if you have a job, it's down. If you don't, e every category is down. Except people who come to church. People who come to church and worship services regularly are actually up. And it's so fascinating, and I want to know why. It's kind of this mystery what, what is this about? Well, of course, that study is pretty amazing. So Christianity Today, also in November, did an article, and it's on the cover. Empty pews are an American public health crisis. Mm. You want to know about that, right? <laughs> health crisis. And this is fascinating because it's trying to get at this mystery of what happens here that's so helpful. What, what is it about gathering worship that matters so much? Well, and here's something they say. Let me attempt to read. I'll read it off the screen. <laughs> so this is one thing they say. Our research suggests that religious service attendance specifically, rather than private practices or self-assessed religiosity or spirituality, is the most powerfully predicts health. So they're looking at health, like this is healthy for people. And so they came up with this long list of things that research has also shown that helps by being here, and it's the product of being here. So it is. Our findings aren't unique. A number of large, well-designed research studies have found that religious services, service attendance is associated with greater longevity, less depression, less suicide, less smoking, less substance abuse, better cancer and cardiovascular disease survival, less divorce, greater social support, greater meaning in life, greater life satisfaction, more volunteering, and greater civic engagement. Whew. So all this health 
benefits. They want to know what is happening here, and they're trying to research that. You know, and in a practical way, they came up with these three things in the article. You know, that being here gives you social support, moral guidance, and some accountability. So they're looking at that, and you can read the article online, and it's very interesting. But I think that there's something in the mystery of it that's way deeper than these practical things. The mystery is still God, that God is here. When we gather in Jesus' name, God is here with us. There's this thing that happens that's way beyond just the practical. God does something here to transform us. So today I want to finish up with three things for ecclesia. I will, you will. Opposite of addiction, and dial it in. So, let's begin with I will, you will. If you were here last week, you heard Harlan talk about ecclesia. He actually said it, ecclesia. Those are the same word. We just don't know how to pronounce things. But the church is the people who believe in Jesus, who gather in his name, and when they do that, God transforms them. That's what he said, and it was so powerful. God transformed them. And then they start to love each other, and then they are a light to the nations. And that's pretty powerful. And that's what Harlan talked about last week with us. So if you think about us in this space, we have been worshiping God for 12 years here in this place, doing these practices, connecting with God. And we're tying into 88 years prior to us here in this place. But not only are we just here with that 100-year history, we are connected all the way back 2,000 years to the church doing these practices of worshiping God together. But not only that, we are also connected through Israel all the way back to the beginning of time when God is creating people and wanting to connect with people. It's going to be very difficult this morning to do a brief skim over the history of people worshiping God, so I will make it very quick. But from the beginning, God has said, I will be your God and you will be my people. That phrase shows up about 28 times in some way or another in the scriptures. So 28 times it comes up, I will be your God and you will be my people. And it's coming in these moments where God is making a promise or a covenant with the people. He's, he's teaching them in some ways how to worship him and how to be his people. God is making a promise, a covenant where God says, I will do these things. And here's your part, your part to do. You know, obey me in these ways. And so in these covenant-making moments, God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the heart of it? is God wanting to connect with people. That's what God wants. This mystery of the church gathering, and God shows up here, and something happens. He transforms us. That's God at work. And in some very crazy ways, it's very simple, that we simply show up. And yet, it's also infinitely complex, because we're dealing with the God of the universe doing something among us. So I love that simplicity that Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And that's it. When it, ha it happens, God is here with us when we gather in his name. 
And Jesus shows up among us. He's active. There's things happening. And transformation happens through that. So simply, God wants to be our God and wants us to be his people. If we can just let that sink in for a moment, I will be your God, you will be my people. It's pretty powerful. It's different than our everyday life to think, oh, God wants to know me. God wants to know me in my group of people. It's pretty powerful. And a couple weeks ago, Charlie kicked off the Ecclesia series by saying that Jesus did this change when he lived and died and rose again. And when he left, he put the divine life into each of his followers. So each person who calls on the name of Jesus is given this divine life, is made spiritually alive. And then when we gather and worship, I love this image that the divine life in us like lights up and glows. And it becomes a little brighter when we're together. Because we're in the presence of God, we're in the presence of each other, it glows more. So you can look forward to this happening on Christmas Eve when we light all our little candles. This year, I'm pretty sure all the little lights are going to be like big torches. Maybe not. But I love that image that we carry our divine life in this light, and it lights up when we're with each other and with God. Well, we, one more thing, that we are experiencing what God promised long ago. Here's one of those covenant promise things God did, and this is what Ezekiel said. God said, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart you, your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Here's that language. I will be, you will be my people. I will be your God. So Platte Park Church, after 100 years, we are living out that promise that happened thousands of years ago. By being here together, we are an example of one church being gathered in Jesus' name, and God being among us. All right. Opposite of addiction. Well, when you think about addiction, you know, something that you do and you go back to over and over to your detriment. You know, addiction. You know, oftentimes we think of substance addiction. You know, like it gets its hooks in you and you just keep going back to it over and over, even though it is harming you and taking you down. But you go back to it. But it might not be only substance that we're addicted to. You can think about porn addiction or social media addiction or shopping addiction or all kinds of variables of what addiction could be that it's grabbing you. Well, when we scientifically study addiction using rats, um, what they do is they take a rat, put it in a cage, and they give it water on one side and then water laced with heroin on the other side. And then they see what happens. So what happens is that the rats get addicted to the heroin, and then over time, quickly, they overdose and die. So when you think about that as addiction, what's happening? And what's the opposite of addiction? Well, you may have seen this very excellent TED Talk by Johan Hari. 
everything you think you know about addiction is wrong. That doesn't feel very encouraging, but it's very interesting. So what he does is he pulls this research from this guy, Bruce Alexander, who was looking at this situation saying, there's a problem. You put a rat alone in a cage with the option of water or heroin, of course it's going to get high because it has nothing else to do. So he said, let's try something different and made a rat park where he created 200 times bigger cage. He put in all kinds of toys and tunnels and things rats like and other rats to interact with. And what happens? They also put water in there, heroin water in there. And the rats stop using heroin, don't use it at all, and only go to water. It's fascinating. They don't even care about the drug-laced water when they're all together in their cage. And in fact, if they take one of the heroin-addicted rats from an alone cage and bring it over and drop it in with others, it stops using the heroin-addicted uh, heroin water and just lives normally drinking regular water. It's not even interested anymore in the heroin water. It's so fascinating to wonder what just happened there. So what is the opposite, opposite of addiction? Connection. Connection. And connection is exactly what happens here in ecclesia in the church. We are connecting. We're connecting with God. We're connecting with each other. We are a gathering of people worshiping God. So the church is about connection. And people have been worshiping God in this exact same kind of structured way for thousands of years. I mean, when the temple of, you know, Solomon built was destroyed, the people of Israel continued to worship God in somewhat similar ways that we do today. They gather in a synagogue. They would listen to the scripture and somebody talk about it. They would sing songs. They would pray. Probably drank some coffee. They did all the things that we do now. And in those ways, they were connecting with God and with each other. So the structure of what we do is important. Curiously, we'll find out. But for one thing, the structure gives us this, we are all in this together. What we're doing is we're all putting our attention on God together. We are worshiping God. We're setting time aside space and time to focus on God together. And by doing that, we lift our thoughts to God, and something happens. But second, we are also connecting with each other. And there's something of that divine life in us connecting with each other. You know, and what happens is when we worship together, we are doing it all as one. We listen to the same person talk. We sing the same songs. We come to communion together. We say the benediction at the end together. You, know, you can think about all the things that just by being here we do together and what that does for us in our life. We connect with God and we connect with others. So back to our rats, Peter Cohen said that addiction 
Actually, we should just get rid of that word addiction altogether. He suggests instead of using the word addiction, we should use the word bonding. Bonding. Because God made us to bond. It is something built into who we are as humans that we bond. So if you are not bonding in some healthy ways, the result is that you're going to go find something to bond with, and it might not be healthy. If any of you have taken our relationship classes here, Susie and I have talked for many years about bonding. And this is a little quiz for all of you. There's two things required for bonding. You need physical closeness and emotional openness. Those two things create bonding. If you're physically close, did I say that? Physically close, emotionally open. Did I say that right? Physically close. You're physically close to somebody, as we are in this room, you begin the bonding. If you're emotionally open, you sing a song and open your mouth, you become emotionally open. You walk to the communion table together, become emotionally open. You do these things here of saying hello to somebody, you become emotionally open. And through any of those little in interactions and activities, you begin bonding with other people and with this community, this group. So I love this idea that bonding is right here at the heart of what church is. That we are gathered to bond with God, and we do that through these activities. And we're here to bond with each other through these ac other activities. Finally, dial it in, and you're all waiting to know, what's the deal with the black phones? And some of you already know. But the black phones, actually, I was going to ask, what is this? Because some of you don't even know what this is. <sighs> but just for the young people like Charlie, Charlie, what you do, this is a phone, <laughs> and you just turn these things, and you got to wait for it to come back every time, and then you dial a number, and then you can call somebody. And you talk, you, this is how you're talking to it. Well, you wonder, why do I have this here? And this phone and these eight phones used to live in what's now our barista kitchen. Do you know why they lived in there? So people could go call their friends. No, that wasn't why. They lived in there because that was our sound room, and it was connected to the sound system in here, and people, if they couldn't be here, present in worship, they could call in and listen to what's happening here on Sunday morning. Pretty amazing, right? I mean, we thought we were pretty fancy with live stream. <laughs> but they've been doing it for years. I mean, why did we even put in live? We could have just kept this. <sighs> but we are in this new world, right? An ecclesia. How are we going to continue to be the ecclesia in this new era. There's this new funny phrase, in person. Does anybody know what that means? <laughs> I, did, I didn't know what it meant two years ago, but in person means you're in person. And that's in contrast to something called online. But how do we now be the ecclesia gathered and scattered? How do we do this? You know, if we go back to that Barna study in Christianity Today's article, you know, they're talking about the health benefits of here. You know, they're trying to look at these things and understand the logistics. But I think it's 
far more than the health benefits for why you came today. You came to worship God. You came to lift your eyes off all the things that are wrong in this world and put them on God even for a minute. You came to connect with others for your divine life to be fed and nourished and encouraged by being in the presence of others who are also turning their attention to God. Yes, there's wonderful benefits health-wise for being here. But the greatest benefit is that when you come to church and gather in a worship space, you hear this thing from God. I will be your God. You will be my people. And then you have the opportunity to respond to God and say, yes. Yes, God, I worship you. You are my God. Yes, these are my people. This is the community you've put me in. We get to worship God. We get to be together. Yes. So back in the day, they couldn't be here. They phoned it in. Maybe even right now, you are watching on live stream. And all those things are ways that we keep connected as a community and with God. You know, there's some things that by simply being here in person is easier. So it's kind of the lazier way. Because if you're here, this space reduces distractions and lifts your attention to God. And if you're at home, you have to do a little more work to make that happen, to set aside that space. But it's totally possible. I love some of the stories of people who are saying, yeah, we set aside this time and each week that we gather and we watch and we worship with you online. Or people who've said, you know, because I work on Sunday, this is great because we set aside Sunday evening. I love these things that are happening that are different than the normal, easy, lazy ways. You know, we also provide communion elements. It's kind of easy for you here. At home, you have to, like, gather those things up ahead of time. But when you do, there's something powerful in the fact that you are connecting with us here by eating the bread and drinking the juice with us. You know, there's also super easy things that happen and are inconvenient that after this service, you have to say hello to somebody. Super easy to do here, but if you are online, you have to pick up the phone and maybe call somebody. Or maybe you say, hey, let's watch this together. There's, there's ways to do this online, and we are figuring it out, and it is unique and different, but it's not so different that they haven't been doing it here for years. It's happening, and we're adjusting, and we're adapting. So whether you're here in person or alone at home online, we are all doing the same things. We are showing up, we're participating, we're putting our attention on God, and we're putting our attention on others. So the bottom line is nothing's really changed in how we connect with God and others. We're just adapting and figuring it out. And at the end of the day, it comes down to us wanting, wanting to connect with God, wanting to connect with others, and then making it happen by following through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we get to connect with you here in this space, in this place, at home, wherever we are, we get to connect with you, and then we get to connect with each other 
And that personal interaction of connection with each other is divine. And I, I pray, God, that you would help us learn how to be your church, to live it out, and to invite others in and expand your kingdom and make this world better one by one as we learn to love each other and learn to be a light to the nations. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.